welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is John Gribben, a founder and CEO of Curable Health. Welcome. Thanks, Tom. John, I'm extremely excited to have you on the show. I think we've known each other for maybe three or four years now, and I got to talk to you when you first were starting the company. I was very impressed with your efforts, and now the company has become quite successful and still just getting started. But basically, John is a founder and the CEO of Curable Health, which is an online program for chronic pain. He started out with migraine headaches and has evolved into mental health as well as physical health. And those of you who have listened to this podcast before know there's over 30 physical symptoms that are created by sustained elevations of stress chemicals. People get sick. And John's program evolves out of his own story, his group, his vision, collaboration. So welcome, John. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Hanscom. I, uh, as, like you mentioned, we're, we've been friends for a few years now, and um, I actually was a, a reader of your work uh, even before you and I met and, uh, and have been a fan for, for some time. So okay. it's good. great to be here. Great. So uh, what I'd like to start with, I'm going to go back to a few years when we first started to talk. You actually had your own experience with chronic pain that motivated you to start the program that you're moving forward with now. Would you mind sharing some of your story with us? Not at all. No, not, I'm, I'm happy to. I, I know that stories are important um, when communicating this type of uh, information, so I'm happy to share mine. Um, I, you know, the, the, the summary of it is that I had um, chronic low back pain for 15 years. And along with that low back pain came a variety of other symptoms, as I'm sure that you um, are familiar with seeing, um, neck pain and you know, stomach uh, issues and sciatica down the leg and pain in the foot and so on. Um, and that pain started when I was 19. Um, I got diagnosed at the time with a um, herniated disc, saw, you know, got an MRI, saw the scan, had the, you know, well-trained um, professional orthopedic surgeon um, show me the scan, show me the bulge or the herniation and say, this is your problem, and this is where your pain is uh, uh, stemming from, and let's uh, help you get that fixed. Um, and before we do surgery, let's do some physical therapy. And so basically, I avoided surgery for 15 years, fortunately, but did a lot of physical therapy and a right. lot of massage therapy and a lot of uh, in steroid injections and a lot of other things and topical creams and oral medications and you name it. Um, for a period of 15 years, close to the, this is now, you know, in my 20s, which would be otherwise, um, I, I'm, you know, the prime health of my life, um, but my back was, was killing me. Um, I got into my 30s, and um, I uh, got another diagnosis, kind of reaching, you know, my wit's end, um, got another, went into this time I was living in Chicago in the Northwestern Hospital there, and saw another um, very well-qualified um, orthopedic surgeon uh, who gave me another MRI and this time diagnosed me with degenerative disc disease, Okay. Um, which is a 
I'm, as I'm sure you know, is a very disheartening diagnosis for um, patients. Right. Okay. You know, the, 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 the combination of words is just terrible. The disease aspect of it is not good. Right. Um, the, the degeneration implies that it's only going to get worse, that today right. is the best day you're ever going to feel and you feel terrible today. So right. enjoy it. Uh, and so I, I was, it was, it was just a really bad day and a bad diagnosis and, um, and a, and a bad outlook that I had. They, uh, were you recommended to have surgery at that point? No, again, it was, you know, I, I had a, just an instinct, I guess, and a personal resistance to, to surgery. Um, and so whenever it was brought up, I said, we're not, let's just not talk, we're not talking about that. Let's right. talk about conservative measures and, and no one pushed it too hard. Uh, so but it, was, it was offered to you, though. It was certainly mentioned and offered, yes. Okay. And I should also say, during that 15-year period, another pain symptom, as they do, sprouts up in other strange parts of your body. And I had this uh, intense shoulder pain in my left shoulder at one point during that span, right? And went into orthopedics then, and was not just offered, but um, really tried to be steered toward uh, rotator cuff surgery, right? Uh, at that time. Let me stop you just for a second here. I'd like to illustrate a couple of points. And people that know my work know that a big part of my practice over the years was telling people that degenerative disease is not a disease. It's simply normal aging process. And there's a lot of things we don't know about the source of back pain, but we actually do know, it's been well documented in the literature, that disc degeneration is not a cause of chronic pain, number one. Second of all, we know that pain gets memorized in the brain after about six to 12 months, every person, every time that it becomes chronic, the pain centers actually go dormant. And so what you do is basically chronic pain, first of all, without a brain, you have no pain. The only way you have pain is because your brain says it's dangerous, just a danger signal. Secondly, is that it does get memorized, then it doesn't matter what you do, and it can occur in any part of the body with the classic example being phantom limb pain. And so then the final nail in this coffin, which did me in, and again, I was on both sides of this fence. I did aggressive spine surgery for back pain for many years for, for degenerative disc disease. I thought it was the right thing to do. It turns out that there's not one research paper that actually documents that a spine fusion for back pain is a legitimate operation, not one. And whenever it's compared to non-operative care, the non-operative care actually wins. So it's not logical to take something that's been documented to be not a source of pain do a fusion, create a bunch of scar tissue, you actually damage the spine badly, and it became more and more aggressive over 30 years. I actually quit my practice in December because the exact scenario you're talking about, where you would have had surgery by many people, you get worse, <clears throat> your spine begins to break down. And I have one gentleman who had 29 surgeries in 20 years based on your scenario, starting with, mm. the, one level, well, starting with the one level fusion. So I was getting to the point the last five years has become extraordinarily aggressive with surgeons offer surgery. And medicine keeps focused on the source of the pain as opposed to the receptor, which is the nervous system. So John, I'm curious, at this point, you had multiple physical therapies. Again, medicine is focused on the source of the pain degenerative of degenerative disc disease. And I'm also guessing when you hear that diagnosis that you sort of lose hope. Oh, certainly. Certainly a lot of stuff. It was a sad day and a sad next few weeks and months. Um, yeah, there was a hopelessness. You know, 
there's a kind of a hopelessness all the way along. Right. right. 15 years through my 20s and an otherwise otherwise healthy person. Right. Um, I just felt like this. I was a just a back pain sufferer, and that was not going to change. Right. And you had a great life, and it's really ironic that you have to suffer with pain when you're so healthy. What turned it around? What was the tipping point for you that started to change things around? Because I know you're pain-free right now. When I say pain-free, I mean, of course, there's good days and bad days. But in general, you have a yeah. different life. Yes, and I love, I'm so happy you brought that up, good days and bad days. You know, we at Curable, and I don't, and my own kind of philosophy on it is that no, no one ever really gets cured. That, and, and that shouldn't be actually the goal either. Right. It's really just, it's a, it's a transformation of your relationship with pain right. um, and your understanding about pain and your understanding of how your life situations and your stress and your brain all contributes to physical symptoms. That's really what it's about. It's not, and, and that's, a, and that's a journey. That's a lifelong journey. That, that is right. not a achievement status that you have reached the pinnacle and now you are cured. Um, and, conveniently and coincidentally yesterday so the day before i'm joining you here on your show i had back pain all day dr hansen all day in the same old spot that it that i had it 10 years ago right uh in a little sciatica and in the butt and in this here creeping down to the foot and you know even i mean i i've of course not devoted my professional career to this stuff so I know it as well as anyone that what's going on. And yet I still couldn't <laughs> stop it or, right. you know, um, and it was still there. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful by even mentioning that, that it gives other folks hope that, you know, not to get discouraged when you have a little bit of a relapse that you, that you're, you're never going to be pain free necessarily. And that shouldn't be the goal. So, um, but right. how did my relationship with my pain change? How did I get really from a daily experience of most of the day of back pain to a place where it's few and far between? Right. Um, well, I do, I do want to say one that, thing. I, I do want to say one thing really quickly. Chronic pain is curable. In other words, when I say curable, it has a grip on you that creates hopelessness, despair, misery, and the grip is broken. And we also know that mental pain and physical pain are processed the same way. So, of course, stress is always there. So the key is learning the tools to process it relatively quickly so you're not stuck. But in the big picture, chronic pain by medicine is viewed to be manageable. And it's actually a curable problem when you look at it from the grip that it has on your life. And so I'm just curious, but there's a tipping point where you change, there's a basic paradigm shift that has to occur. And I'm just curious for you, and it's different for everybody. It was different for me too, personally. But I'm just curious, what, would, what caused your paradigm shift and what was the paradigm shift? what caused it was a major back blowout episode. <laughs> um, this is a, another kind of personal story, but um, uh, the, I was living in Chicago at the time. My wife and I uh, were buying our first home together and it was like a really um, seller friendly real estate market. So buyers like us had no leverage or, you know, negotiating power. Um, and so, we got stuck into a, a house deal that was, you know, pretty expensive for, for what we were able to do. And a short mortgage, you know, closing period was like 28 days from the time we signed the purchase agreement to closing on the mortgage in the house and had to give up a lot of rights during the process to the seller. And then running through all of that craziness um, the night before uh, that we were supposed to close, 
a major thunderstorm came through Chicago and totally flooded the basement, the finished basement, which was like a third of the square footage of this house, um, flooded wow. the basement with like sewage, toilet sewage. Perfect. Um, and I'd be So we wake up the day to close to go to the title company and um, our real estate agent calls and says, uh, I have some bad news. So then, of course, we're desperate. We're have just terminated our lease at our apartment. Um, and so we make it work. We, you know, get some credits from the seller and, um, and, and, and the next day, the following day, close on this house. And then two days later, move our entire lives and furniture and everything into a home with a sewage filled basement, uh, <laughs> after a 28 day closing process. And the whole thing was incredibly, incredibly stressful. You can't really um, make that. You can't really make this up. Can you? No, and we move in after the move, and the day after the move, I my back is just blows out, and I'm in bed. I can't get out of bed, and of course, I'm attributing this uh, episode to the fact that I uh, did the move in flip flop sandals, and so I, I mentioned this to my wife, who is a physician as well. And I said, you know, I, I did the move in flip-flops and now I'm, you know, I'm in bed. And she's like, but you didn't move anything. We had movers. You, you moved like a laptop computer all day. So right. what? <laughs> it can't be your flip-flops. Right. So, I mean, now, now we know what it was. Now, right. you know, retrospectively. But anyway, so I'm in bed for three days. I finally, you know, work my way out of bed and um, go to a, on a family trip that we had planned to Maine with my wife and kid. And um, while in Maine, I'm still ginger on the back. And a friend of mine named Tony uh, and I were on a walk. And he starts asking me about my back. I start being a little standoffish, of course, like none of your business. And then he tells me that he's got back pain and no longer does because he read a book, which, of course, I thought was complete malarkey. Right. Uh, but Tony proceeded to explain to me the principles of the book that he read. Uh, this mind-body connection, the brain-body connection, and right. there were based and and the story that I tell is that by the end of the walk, he still doesn't believe this, um, but it, it is true. By the end of the walk, I remember feeling half better. So not all the way. I wasn't like totally scared, right? But the fear was gone. My confidence was back. I started to maybe think that this was not going to be a lifelong problem, that there was hope. And, and, and when that hope flooded in, the physical symptoms actually began to relieve themselves as well. This is Dr. Sarno's book, right? It was, yep. Right. Dr. Sarno. Yep. Right. Right. So and, let me, let me, and, I'd like to make a couple points here, and you already know these, but for the audience is that First of all, this is not psychological. What happens when you're under stress, your body has stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, cytokines, et cetera. So it actually is a physiological change. In other words, mental pain goes to the same part of the brain as a physical threat, and you have the same chemical reaction. And then when it's sustained, it actually affects every cell in your body, including doubling the nerve conduction. So the pain is actually, your nerves are hypersensitive. They're firing away when they shouldn't be firing away and then they get triggered, and then the pain is a real huge problem. And pain is pain. Pain is always real. It's always there. It is not, quote, psychological. It's not, quote, mental. It changes the body's chemistry. And that's where medicine has really missed this because we learned this in medical school. We actually learned this in high school 
that physiology is what makes your body run. Your body chemistry, hormones levels, muscle tension, electrolytes, et cetera, is all physiology. So what happens in a situation there under that much stress, your body chemistry is way off and your sensitivity to nerves is elevated. And then it's all research has also shown that hope and optimism help change the body's chemistry, allows allows you to relax. So this is a common story, by the way, is I want you to understand there's some hope and have an explanation for what's going on. That's why education is such a big deal for chronic pain. Once you understand the problem, it's solvable. And so your story is actually pretty typical is that once you have some sense of hope, just for instance, for me, telling somebody that disc degeneration is normal and not the cause of pain, people walk out of the office a lot of the time with half the pain. Again, not psychological, right. they have some hope. So, um, so what, what happened after that? So, and I just want to add one thing, and you, you would you would know this better than me, but it also seems to me that when the, that, that um, fear is reduced and that, that hope is increased, um, that the body does potentially um, loosen up a bit. You know, like I don't I don't know if there's a physiological like reaction or explanation uh, that I'm getting right here, but it does feel that it's almost like as if you're getting attacked by a bear, you're tensed up, you're, uh, everything's, and right. then you're told, okay, everything's fine. You're, you're actually fine. You're right. going to be fine. Right. You're just, there's this relaxation that kind of occurs, I think. Um, absolutely. No, absolutely. Then exactly. the physical um, symptoms kind of melt away. Right. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Because people forget that we're not machines. We're not cars. And so what your body, so, and you know, I've talked about this a little bit. We'll talk about this more is that, Anxiety is just the sensation generated by your stress chemicals. It is not a psychological diagnosis. So it's a signal that says danger. If you're lying on the beach with full of oxytocin and dopamine and you're just kicking back, you feel relaxed. So relaxed describes the sensation of your body's chemistry, just like, but you wouldn't call it relaxed a diagnosis, right? And same thing right. about right. and you're alert, then you feel anxious. So anxious is a description of the state of your body's chemistry. So your body is intent. And the thing is, this reaction is so strong, it compels you to take action to survive. Every, and I mean, anxiety is necessary to stay alive. It is the essence of evolution. It's the essence of paying attention to danger signals. So anxiety is just a chemical reaction. It is not psychological. It's a physiological response. So there's lots of words you can put onto it. There's lots of behaviors that are psychological based on this drive, but I'm actually proposing that anxiety come out of the psychological diagnostic classification as a diagnosis. It's the driver of these things. And again, a physiological response. And the reason why it's so critical to know that is because this physiological response processes 11 million bits of information per second, where the conscious brain processes 40. So mind over matter certainly doesn't work is learning the tools to actually regulate your body's chemistry that starts creating the changes. So um, so you had an immediate decrease in pain. Then I know you pursued some other avenues. What, what were some of the things that you did to sort of maintain this improvement? Well, really, it was, I still had about halfway to go. And, I, um, and it was really just learning, self-educating, continuing to read, continuing to talk to other folks who... Um, had improved their situation as well, you know, to kind of either get tips, but also inspiration. Um, and so it, uh, uh, detailing it bullet point by bullet point uh, is hard, kind of five years 
even farther removed from the situation, but my recollection of it is uh, that there was a gradual decrease in symptoms over about a six-month period as there was an increase in, in learning and knowledge. Uh, and I kind of went on my own knowledge expedition and, and, um, and, and got myself better, frankly. We're going to talk about what you're doing now with this um, company called Curable. And we'll talk about how you took your collective knowledge from your personal experience, also from people on your board. So I am one of, of John's board members on this um, company called Curable. And as he's been really successful with thousands and thousands of people and helping them solve the chronic pain. And he also has a group of people who have also had similar experiences of healing. So what I'm excited about, there's a very collective effort, collective consciousness to take what he's learned and put it into a practical application. John, could you tell us how, just in one minute, how your company started and how we can access that app? I can, yes. Uh, the, our company started, my, my two um, partners in Curable also experienced a collective decades of pain symptoms themselves, knee pain and migraines and um, hand pain, arm pain, and other types of, you know, non-pain symptoms as well. Um, and, and we all worked together uh, at, a, at a previous company. And um, I had gone through my transformation uh, while we were working together and suggested that, um, you know, they pursue it as well. Um, they did. They started feeling incredibly um, better. And that's when we kind of looked at each other and said, boy, why don't more people know about this? Uh, if it's helped us this dramatically. Um, and and at, this, at that time and now, we know that there's a lot of all the science on chronic pain now supports this, this kind of brain first, mind first right. approach to, to symptom relief. All the neuroscience, medical literature, everything is now supporting this. So, so, so we're thinking, okay, if we feel this much better and all the literature now supports this, why aren't people getting this kind of care? Right. Uh, and maybe there's something with our, with what we know, which is software and um, communicating these kinds of complex topics into more um, accessible formats. Uh, maybe we can use this skill to, to spread the word. Right. No, it's exciting. And, and again, to be a difference in thousands of people. And I always tell people there's three parts of solving chronic pain. First one, understanding the problem, which gives you some control and hope. Second thing is there's multiple variables that affect chronic pain. All of them have to be addressed simultaneously. And by definition, the only person that knows you is you. The patient has to take control. And what the Curable app does, it gives you the knowledge, it gives you options, and allows you to take control. So it's really a very valuable resource. Well, John, thanks for being on this part of the show. We're going to talk in a second in detail what the Curable app has to offer, the approach and the philosophy behind it. But it's a very exciting process. And I just have to rant for one second about mainstream medicine. There's a paper came out in the Journal of Pain a couple months ago that documented that every intervention that we do in chronic knee pain and spine pain, spine pain simply does not work. And the effective procedures are actually not covered by insurance. And so right now we're actually pretending to treat chronic pain and medicine continues to be focused on the structural issues where it's actually a brain disease. And it continues to go that direction. And John's exactly right. Why doesn't mainstream medicine have this in its back pocket? And the answer is, I don't totally know. 
But I do say that the changes that many of us are trying to make are trying to reverse that whole process. But anyway, John, thanks for being on the show, and we'll talk to you in a minute. Sounds good. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, John Gribben, for being on the show today and sharing the discoveries he made during his journey through chronic pain and the motivations that helped him found the company Curable Health. I'd also like to remind our listeners to come back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.